Hello and welcome to another episode of the Golden Hour Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Mays. Uh, this show is brought to you by the Polar Pro Studio, and today's guest is the one and only Jevin Dovey. I need a soundboard with that in there. Um, actually, you know what? I think I have that. I think I have some cheering. Yeah, well, Jevin Dovey, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, thank you. Now, this is actually Jevin's, what, fourth time on the third show? Or, or third? I don't remember. I don't know. Maybe we should have looked at it before we started. Jevin is a good friend of mine. If you've listened to the show, you know that uh, he and I call each other regularly. And I recommend everybody find um, a creator or somebody who's in the same field as you to call because it's really nice to have somebody like Jevin who um, understands the YouTube uh, struggles, the video production world. And also he's a father just like me and his wife is expecting another one and um, you know, congrats to them. Uh, let's do it. Let's do a soft clap for that. You're going to have a, <laughs> am I allowed to say a baby boy? Yeah. I mean, congrats. we're not, we're not keeping it. We're, we're not keeping it out of the, we're not, we haven't been <laughs> hiding it. You haven't been hiding it. <laughs> we haven't been hiding it, but we haven't been like announcing it. I haven't put it on my social media or anything like that, but it's not like we're hiding it. I just don't, care to put too much of my personal life on my social media. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, to reiterate what Dave was saying, it is good to have like a circle of people around you that you trust and you can call up whenever and like, you know, bounce ideas off of, or just like have conversations with, because there's a lot of things that like we go through being a creator sitting in an office and just like talking to ourselves in our heads and talking to our cameras that like, we feel like we're doing something wrong. But in reality, it's, you know, everyone's going through the same struggles. I keep finding that um, the more I talk to other creators, the more I, I'm just, we're all going through the same thing. So it's good to like have a network. Totally. And I, I'm really grateful for you too this year, because I know you had to endure a lot of my complaining because I went from being a YouTuber to not all year. And it was like a big struggle for me. And I, I think I changed uh, my mind. How are you feeling now? I'm excited. I'm I'm uh, I'm really excited to just go for it in 2022. I'm going freelance uh, starting February 1st, and uh, I even started filming. A, I didn't tell you this, but I started filming a video oh. this morning, uh, and it Ooh. went really well. It was a lot of fun. So, but uh, your channel has uh, changed and grown a lot. You're over 700,000 subs now, which is incredible. So well mm -hmm. over actually 758,000 subs. Way to is go, that dude! We're at? That's amazing. That's like yeah, getting it's crazy. Up, that's getting amazingly closer and closer to a million, <laughs> which is nuts. It's, so if you go on Social Blade and you look at like future projections, on Christmas it was one year out from hitting a million. So that's a interesting. It's a good way to count to see how Social Blade if it's actually that accurate. Because we'll okay. see by next Christmas if I have a million. Wow, I know that's a goal of yours uh, to hit a million. And if you're not a subscriber already, what are you doing? Go over to Jevin Dovey's uh, YouTube channel. All you gotta do is search Jevin J E V E N, and it'll come up because he's the one and only Jevin, which is pretty awesome. The only one I've found. Yeah, I mean, I've <laughs> come across a few Jevins in my lifetime, but very like random. Like, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I mean this this year you kind of started. You've you kind of became the drone guy almost by accident. Like some of your videos really just went viral. These amazing DJI Mavic tutorials. You did these really long form kind of exhaustive um reviews and beginner guide videos and you continue to do that this year with a couple of products 
Um, but you've also done other uh, projects this year, going out, traveling, and doing these amazing films, uh, overlanding stuff, hiking, you know, and kind of having really a filmmaking kind of storyline uh, attached to these films. And then it gives you all this amazing B-roll to talk about um, in future videos as well. It's really been a, a, a goal of yours this whole year to kind of get out there and do as many of these as you could. And you ended up doing quite a few and they turned out looking gorgeous. Um, can you talk about kind of that transition and some of those ideas and the, those amazing projects you did this year, uh, traveling all over mostly the West, uh, West air, Western areas of the United States? Yeah. I mean, you know, I've always wanted to do adventure and travel. Uh, if you look back in the history of my channel, it actually started out as a travel vlog with me and my wife. And we would just, we had a year where we had buddy passes for United. Uh, my aunt's a, a flight attendant. And so we would just jump on a plane and go travel. That was kind of how I started my YouTube channel. And it was like a creative outlet from my production company because my production company is completely separate than my YouTube. It's like two completely different niches and my uh, production company is just, it's very much, it gets repetitive. And so, you know, I, I started YouTube as a creative outlet just to make vlogs and have fun. And then when the DJI Mavic 2, when the, oh no, it was the DJI Mavic Pro, when that first came out, I did videos around it, they exploded. It kind of sent me in the direction of doing like filmmaking um, and like going down that rabbit hole. And it's just kind of evolved over time. And I've been doing less and less of the adventure and travel, but Really, right before the pandemic, um, I had an opportunity to go to Thailand and shoot a VR 180 project with YouTube. And I was like getting ready to start doing more of that kind of content. And then the pandemic hit um, pretty much the same week that my daughter was born. So it was just kind of like things compounded on top of each other where, um, you know, it just, you can't travel. I wasn't going to travel anyways with a new baby. And um, it was just, you know, a lot of things were happening at that time, but recently in the last year, I've been pushing to do more of these trips and get more into the kind of adventure storytelling that I want to do, uh, and finding a way to blend it with my current audience, because just going out there and doing like a climbing film, um, isn't going to be, it's not going to, it's only going to hit a very small portion of my audience. Whereas if I go out and do a video around Mavic 3, that's mm -hmm. going to blow up on my channel. So I've been trying to find <laughs> yeah. a way to blend those two worlds. Did I lose audio again? Your audio slowly started dying. Can we, how All about right. this? Why don't you switch to the, okay, I'm it just going to leave this part in. So basically, uh, Jevin's <laughs> mic is uh, battery powered. I think it's a phantom power or something, right? Mm -hmm. And then uh, <laughs> as we've been talking, it's like been slowly dying and getting weaker and weaker. Um. <laughs> okay, switch it. I have to, you have to uh, stop recording and then we can do it. <laughs> so, okay, so we've just now picked up recording again. Say hi, Jevin. Hi, can you hear me better now? Yes, so this is a great... Okay. What are we using right now as a microphone? Because this is actually a great little mini review. <laughs> yeah, so this is the MacBook, the new MacBook Pro, 14-inch. I got the M1 Max. Um, yeah, you probably don't need the M1 Max, but it it, it works well. Well, the, Apple says that the uh, new microphones are studio-level microphones, uh, in quotations. Um, so we're putting that to the test right now. Just Great. be 
be weary of your your hand motions and stuff because those are the things that it picks up the best. <laughs> but <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh man, I'm so sorry about uh, all the hassle we've dealt with today. Um, we've had some technical problems. It's all right. So going okay, back, so what I was saying, <laughs> I was just saying in 2021, I've been trying to bridge that gap of you know doing the adventure stuff while being able to still incorporate filmmaking, photography, you know, the tutorial stuff that I do all into one. Um, and then also being able to do it with, you know, a 21 month old and a new baby on the way. So it's, uh, it's been an interesting year, but I think I've started to figure out the kind of content that I enjoy making and something that is kind of a hybrid of, um, what I was doing the last few years and where I want to go moving forward. You know, we talk about it all the time in our phone calls uh, when we, you know, accidentally compare ourselves to other creators. And then we're like, wait, hold on. This person we're talking about is like 10 years younger and they don't have any kids. They're not married. They have the ability to literally hustle like nonstop all day, every day. Um, that was, I was doing that when I was in my 20s. And that's what has allowed me to um, do this as a career in my 30s. Um, but now that I'm a married man with kids, like my priorities have shifted and that's totally fine. Like depending on what stage you're in in life, um, if you're getting advice from Mr. Beast, a 23 year old single guy with no kids, like, I mean, he's got great advice in terms of what works on YouTube. But, um, if you're trying to emulate that work ethic and that type of lifestyle, like, you know, I've chosen to be married with kids. Like it's a different, uh, completely different story. It is. And I think that's one of the things that uh, like plagues a lot of creators is they start looking at these what everyone else is doing. And everyone has a different story. Everyone has a different approach and a different time frame that they can do their content in. Some people have kids, some people are married, and some people are, you know, can go jump on a plane and fly out to across the world and go make some videos for the next month. And so it's tough because like as a creator, you have all these aspirations that you want to do and it's figuring out, you know, where, 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 where does it make sense for me to do the kind of content that I want to do, but also is enjoyable to watch for an audience. And is also like just realistic. Um, and yeah, if you're comparing yourself to the Mr. Beast of the world, the air racks, like those guys are young and they're able to just like put all their time and effort and all their money into uh, making YouTube videos and they don't really have to, they don't have anything else that's they have to worry about. Um, whereas when you have a family and you have, you know, you have to be home, you can't just be gone all the time. Like, yeah, you, you gotta, you gotta, oh, you gotta keep checking yourself and like take a step back and really just look at your situation and figure out where to like, where can you make content that makes sense? Uh, you know, with, with what kind of workload and what kind of family life you have. Yeah, I've been real impressed with you, like talking through your whole year, um, you know, just being able to hear what's going on in your life with um, the fit life stuff and then with, uh, you know, your YouTube stuff, but then also balancing time with, with Jalen and your wife and stuff. I mean, it it's rough having all this stuff being self-employed, but it's also really fulfilling and something that I, I miss a lot, you know, being able to do um, my own thing throughout the day rather than working for someone else. Um, I'm getting ahead of myself cause I'll be there soon, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a balance for sure. Like there's ups and downs. Like I have 
production company. And with that production company, we get super busy. So in September, I think we shot 25 days. So like there's zero time to do YouTube. So I had to make a bunch of videos before that and then had to get ready to start making videos again right after that period. And I just knew during that, you know, month, I wasn't able to really think about YouTube. Uh, and it, it, you start approaching your, your content different when you, you know what limitations you have to work within. Um, and that's why I didn't, you know, I've never like changed my channel and gone full into adventure filmmaking, you know, like that is almost a dream in a way, but it doesn't make sense if I want to be consistent and I want to, um, you know, be able to upload content that has value. Um, you know, I, I still have that. I need to find that balance where I can do these stories and these adventure films, but not have to, you know, be gone every week on an adventure because they are very time consuming. Yeah. And again, people in that particular niche, um, if they're married, it's just two people living in a van often or, um, or they're, they are single, you know, people with no kids. So, um, you don't see many family travel influencers. <laughs> they're see... out there for sure. Um, but for those of you who do have a family who don't like being on camera, don't worry, you can still do YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, my wife was part of my channel at the beginning. We were doing the travel vlogging thing and she didn't like it. So like she stopped being on the channel. Like she'll make an appearance here and there. But, uh, in, you know, in reality, this is my thing. This is kind of my business that I've grown. Um, and so I treat it like that. Like I, I take off weekends now and I just don't do YouTube on weekends. I might upload, but that's, you know, pre I uploaded during the week and then it releases, but I'm really trying to create the separation because my life isn't YouTube. And the issue is, I mean, I see a lot of creators out there that are getting burned out because their life becomes YouTube and you have to treat it like a business. You can't just do it 24 hours a day. 100%. Seven days a week. <laughs> What's one of your favorite projects that you did uh, this year? If you could, if you can think back on, yeah, on I mean, a I think the films you did. I mean, I think most recently one of my favorites has been. Um, I mean, there's been a few that have just been I've really enjoyed making. So I went up to Washington. I climbed Mount Shuxton, which was uh, it's a peak I've done before, uh, but I did it for with Insta360. So I took their little go-to camera. And I filmed the entire adventure using the go-to. So I, it was a great kind of exercise in limitation. Like I'm only using this little POV camera and I have to shoot a, a narrative that is interesting to watch. Um, the climb itself, I've already done it. So for me, it wasn't like a new adventure, but it was something that I kind of had um, experience doing. Uh, so it was a little bit, I, I chose that because of, my knowledge of that mountain in the past. And I knew I could get some really cool footage, but it was a, it was a great kind of experiment to, to limit myself, uh, in terms of new experiences. Um, uh, you know, I went up to Alaska and took the Mavic three out for, um, to go get footage. And I ended up, you know, hanging out with Jake Sloan for a week, uh, who's another awesome creator on this platform. And the two of us just went and explored all these cool places of Alaska I mean, every day he took me to a new spot and we were just trying to capture amazing footage. But at the same time, we ended up on this crazy adventure where we had a ton of failures with like the drone failing, software failing, and just like it, it ended up being a really cool story and a fun experience. 
I mean, some of this footage that you got there, um, if you're watching the video, you should be able to see it. And I don't know if it's streaming well with this app that we're using, Jevin, but uh, in the recording it will be. I mean, some of these ice, um, almost sculptures, if you will, like they just look so The Columbia epic. Glacier, yeah. So oh, that's a real. huge glacier up in Alaska. And we, uh, Jake knows a friend who has a helicopter. And so we basically got a private helicopter tour of all these mountains in Alaska. Wow. And she literally like pulled the helicopter right up to the glacier and we were able to fly drones all over it. So, oh, I mean, it's goodness. just a, it's one of those experiences that was unexpected. Like we didn't, we didn't know this was going to happen. We knew that we were going to go hang out with, um, Lee, the helicopter pilot. But then she's like, let's go here. Let's go here. Let's go here. And it was just, it was an insane experience. Wow. Um, yeah. Gorgeous stuff. And you, you also had the, uh, you had the Ronin, uh, or what's it called? The 4D or whatever. 4D. Yeah, yeah. that as well. It was um, cool. I like that camera. Yeah. I mean, uh, I want to talk about all the gear stuff uh, when we get to that, but yeah. Yeah. Lots of new gear coming or lots of new gear that came this year. <laughs> we'll see when supply chain issues kind of, you know. Yeah, that's that was All kind these... of the theme. That was the theme of the year. Was twenty twenty one was supply chain issues. Uh, everything oh. was backed up. You know, my dad ordered an A seven S three for his films that he's been working on. It took four months for him to get it. Um, if you ordered a cam like the C seventy or the A seven S three last year when it first came out, you're like lucky that you got all that because now it's like super backed up and ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've looked at cameras, like I was interested in getting an A1 for a while and then it was backed up and it ended up being to the point where I was like, eh, I'll just stick with my A7S three. <laughs> <laughs> Probably a smart I, move. Yeah. I mean, the A1's great. I've used it on some shoots. Like I've rented it. Uh, it would be a cool camera to have like 8K just like with me when I go to some of these places uh, to get some good stock footage. But that's a good uh, point. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I don't need it. A7S Mark three is like the ideal camera for what I do. And there, you know, like you're just kind of jumping into the, the FOMO with all these new cameras a lot of times. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, you got to take a step back and look like gear is good. Now all the gear is good. Like it really is. You can pick up any new camera nowadays and get amazing looking footage. So it really comes down to, uh, you know, focusing more on story and focusing more on, uh, you know, what your audience wants to watch. And that's, you know, that's what I've been trying to figure out, like get away from just talking about gear. And in 2022, like I don't want to just sit around at my desk and do desk reviews anymore. I'm going to try to limit the amount of times I'm sitting here talking to camera. Like I want to go out and do stuff and tell stories from different adventures. So I think yes. just gears, you know, gears always going to be a topic. It's always going to be something that we're interested in, like what's new, what's unique about it. But I think the whole like, you know, gear evolving to the degree where every new camera was such a big release. Now it's like, well, every camera's good. So new releases just have different kind of yeah. things that you might want if you're specifically doing this one type of activity. Yeah, it's it's getting more into the the niche uh, market now because all the baselines have been covered and everything has a flip screen on it, which is awesome. <laughs> yep. There was there was a period of time where it was like, why are you not putting a flip screen on it? And um, and then why is the autofocus so bad? And like now all, almost everything has been fixed, uh, from most manufacturers. 
Um, not Panasonic. Except Panasonic with the autofocus. <laughs> so bummed. I, I was a Panasonic user for years, and I switched over to Team Sony this year. Now I'm like all in on Sony. Yeah, let's start Let's start there. That's one of the topics that I want to talk about today. Uh, 2021 for Jevendovi was the year of Sony. Um, the year of Sony. First off, there, there's, two, there's two aspects to this. I know we talked about it um, privately before. One is obviously the technology of the Sony cameras is incredible, top notch. But two, mm -hmm. the way that Sony treats their creators and the way that they kind of interact with creators is so much better than all the other companies. And I wish other companies would kind of take note um, yeah. and start to listen to what people are wanting. I feel like Sony has actually served a lot of the requests that people have had, especially with um, those kind of lower end cameras like the ZV-1 and the ZV-E10, which are like totally just dedicated YouTuber cameras, really. Um, yep. It's pretty exciting. How was your year of Sony? It's been great. I mean, the A7S III is like the, like I said, it's the ideal camera for what I do. It's a camera that you can take anywhere, get low light footage. And, you know, with the lenses that I've chosen, it's a small lightweight kit. Um, but it's, you know, Sony has really kind of made a camera for every user. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I, you know, I don't really work with Sony yet. I've had some conversations with them, but like, you know, my relationship with Sony is they brought me to camera camp. Um, what was that? 2019. Uh, I was a Panasonic user back then. And, you know, I got to play with all the cameras then. And when the A7S III came out, I bought that. I went to, they actually loaned me one at first. I shot a film on that, which that experience using that, the camera, I was like, all right, great. I'm going to switch this. Like this camera is awesome. Yeah. Um, it was just a loaner. And then I went out and bought two of them. Uh, and then all the Sony lenses and everything else. So now I'm fully into the Sony's ecosystem. That's kind of the intimidating thing for a lot of people um, who are coming from a whole nother system is obviously like, if you really want to get the full um, potential out of it, you do need to make a full switch. And yep. um, you don't want to mix and match cameras because the sensors are different. The color science is different. It's a pain in the butt to try to like color match things. Um, so if you're using multiple cameras like you do often, you kind of yeah. need to get at least two, if not three or four, well, <laughs> especially for the multicam stuff you do. I was going to say, I have five now, but I have two <laughs> A7S threes and three FX6s. Wow. And yeah. you didn't opt for the FX3. Why not? A lot of people went with that one. It's it's They call it a cinema camera. It's not really a cinema camera. You don't have time code, um, and which is like a huge thing for multicam productions. And also, it's there's no um, shutter angle. Like what a weird thing to have a cinema camera with no shutter angle. Uh, it's just yeah. because it's so much more useful when you have like these different things that are more built towards cinema, like mm -hmm. indie filters built in and having a body with all the buttons on it. Like the yeah. FX3 is great. I used it to make uh, a short film earlier this year. Camera works great, but when I'm out, you know, outside in bright sunlight, I like having an EVF. So like if they would have had instead of a top handle, a second attachment that was an EVF, I would switch. Um, but the EVF is huge in my world. Um, yeah, I mean, the, so, and the EVF in the A7S III is like top notch. It's like one of the best yeah. EVS, EVFs on the market. Um, and yeah. then the FX6 I mean, for you has, has served you well as a cinema yeah. camera. I mean, the FX6, I, don't, I haven't really talked about it much on my channel, but I, I have three of them and I use them for every shoot for my production company. Um, and then if I need extra cameras, the A7S III is 
you know, matches up perfectly. Uh, but having those cameras, you know, it just, it's an easier camera to use on set. I pull it out of the box, I put on the lens, I can start shooting. I don't have to put these huge cages and everything around it. I don't have to build it out with extra batteries. The the batteries on a cinema camera last a lot longer. So I have yeah. uh, BPU 90s and I use one or two of them a day and I'm good. Wow, um, that's awesome. It, it's just, it's a different experience when you get into that kind of cinema world where you have all the features that you need on a camera body. Um, I used FX9s for a while. Like I rented them and played around with them and they had too much. I didn't need all that. Whereas the FX6 yeah. is the kind of the perfect happy medium. Um, and then, you you know, when you try to do three A7S threes or three FX6s and you don't have time code, you end up, it just becomes a mess. So um, the FX6, it was like the perfect camera uh, for my production company. Now, I don't really use it for my YouTube channel. But if I do have a bigger project where it makes sense to have it, yeah, I'll probably bring it because having the built-in ND filters is huge. Like and if it's, Sony would have small put... too. It's not. It's not oh, yeah, terribly it's big. It, it reminds me of like the DVX 100 days, back yeah. when uh, <laughs> when I first started DVX. making films in college. <laughs> DVX 100. Let's look that up. Do you guys remember oh that camera or yeah. the, the Canon XL2 or whatever? Uh huh. It's that like documentary size camera it's perfect the uh, xl2 had that kind of like the white thing that yep. kind of like went up uh and at an angle yeah. isn't there that there's that one picture of you uh with a black magic camera but that was a built out black magic is it still online i can't find it nothing is gone from online it's gone it's gone it's, it's got to be somewhere it's there it is there, so. why is oh, that? there it is that's like an early uh <laughs> that's like a, a very one two three four setup. five yeah Dude, look at that setup. Fit life. Black Magic 2.5K with the what was that? Alphatron. Amatron? Alphatron, that's right. The EVF. And then I I used oh. the whole wood. It was like a I forgot what the brand was, but it's a wood shoulder rig to balance uh -huh. the camera so that it balanced perfectly on your shoulder. <laughs> I had that same camera. The color science on that camera was awesome. Oh, I love it. I wish they would have kept that color science and then made new cameras that were 4K and whatever, but I mean, all cameras you can match nowadays are change with the bit rates and raw and everything. So it doesn't really matter. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> bang for buck, Blackmagic is still like the best in terms of if you want just the best image quality for a cheap price, go yep. to the Blackmagic camera. Um, it's not even about image quality anymore, though, because like, you know, I'm on the C70. I love the autofocus. I love the color. Uh, yeah. the size and the Canon ecosystem that my cousins, you know, have all these lenses. So that's why I stuck with Canon this year. Um, however, you know, I may end up picking up an a7S III, uh, for myself this year now that I'm going yeah. freelance. So what about the a7 IV that just came out? Yeah, I, I like that. I just, I like the low light on the, yeah. on the S and some of the video I mean, features. I the the a7 IV probably still has decent low light i haven't had to been able to test one yet i just i'm a little frustrated that it's crops in on 4k 60 and that's like that bugs me because like i want to have full frame mm -hmm. on that 4k 60 because i use slow motion a lot um and so for me that would be a limitation uh that like it would just get it gets frustrating that's one thing with the s what was it s5 from panasonic that one did the same thing uh -huh. where it crops in on 4k 60 and i'm like well this it's frustrating because you have a lens on there say you're using like the 35 well if you want to shoot 4k 60 you also now have a 50 and it's yeah. just like you're constantly thinking about that 
Um, I'm sure I'm sure they're going to sell a crap ton of those cameras. It's a good price oh, yeah. for what it does. Um, but you know, it's a luxury to go up to the S3. Um, yep. I guess. Um, but that's a luxury that I I I feel like as a, a very you know as a professional, I a lot of those things I need, like the yep. 4K 60 and the no overheating and all that stuff. So. Yeah, I've noticed, I've saw on Twitter, a lot of people are talking about, you know, when the screen is on the camera, it overheats, um, yeah. which it's, you know, it's going back to like issues with previous cameras that we had and mm-hmm. the a7S three, I've gotten the overexposed or the over overheating warning to come up, but I've never had the camera shut off. So I've yeah. had some shoots where I've had to use my a7S three instead of my FX six um, on some of my like productions and we'd be running it for 10 hours wow. and I'd have that overheating coming up and it would be up for like an hour and it still wouldn't overheat and shut down. So, Oh wow. That's you know, amazing. Like I've seen this camera perform in ways where I'm like, it's looking like it's going to shut down, but it, it doesn't. So, you know, everything I've thrown at it, this camera has been pretty amazing. Have you enjoyed the switch in terms of the lenses and the lens lineup from Sony? Um, you yeah. had a huge investment in Micro Four Thirds lenses. Um, yep, big but investment. But you completely switched over. <laughs> yeah, how do yeah, you like the, that? There's a few lenses that I really like from Sony's lineup. Um, the 28 to 135 cinema lens. I know it's not a super popular lens for like mm-hmm. the creator world, but that it's just a great lens for like documentary and like run and gun. Uh, it's expensive. It's big. Uh, but using that with an FX6. But for, in terms of like my adventure stuff that I do and my YouTube channel, I basically bought the whole lineup of 1.8s. So the 20 millimeter 1.8 is my go-to vlog lens. 35 millimeter 1.8 is like my favorite just B-roll lens. Same with the 85 1.8. I have the 55 1.8 and it's frustrating because there's no manual autofocus on the lens itself. So I think I might switch up to the G Master for that, the one four. Um, oh, the fifty. Yeah, the fifty yeah. is just that's infuriating. Had not having a switch on the lens. I'm like, why <laughs> is there no switch on the lens? Uh, and it's one of those things like you don't know until you use a g- piece of gear for a while. Like I, I'm like, this lens is, works great. I like the focal length. I like the, you know, the one eight's fine. I don't need a faster lens. But like. Yeah, I struggle when I'm like switching between auto and manual because I do that a lot of times depending on what I'm shooting, especially gimbal work. Um, so, you know, that's one. But then for <laughs> zoom lenses, I have 16 to 35, which I rarely use. My 24 to 105, which is kind of a good all-around lens, and then a 70 to 200, which I rarely use. Why did you get those? If you don't, I mean, it's nice to I have, I would them, use have them. them. I guess. Yeah, I mean, there's there's shoots where I bring them and they do come in, in handy. But like a lot of times I'm going out of a backpack. And so the one eights are tiny. They fit in the backpack. I don't mind using primes. I actually like the limitations because it forces yeah. me to like move and be more creative with how I'm interacting with my space rather totally. than just zooming in a lens. So I'm making more conscious decisions on what I'm filming and what lens I'm using. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing that I think most people are envious about uh, in terms of Sony versus all the other companies' mirrorless lineup is Sony's been so ahead of the game in terms of, um, you know, optics. They've been doing this A this A series, Alpha series for a while. So the whole, you know, there's some great third-party options as well. The Tamron 28-75-2.8 to 75 um, mm-hmm. is a fabulous lens as well. It's small and lightweight. They have a, a wide now like a 17 to 28 and then a 
I think like a 50 to 100 or something. So there's some great third party options. Whereas like Canon's RF lineup is just like super lackluster. You've got the, the trifecta of wide, medium, tight, you know, zoom lenses and a couple of nice primes, but they're super big. They're overpriced and there's no third party options really. Um, I think this is where Sony really excels. I mean, beyond having tons of different camera options, but you have, you know, the fast lenses, if you want that super shallow depth of field or you need it below light, but then you have those, the medium, the one eights or the, what is it? Two fives, those little tiny lenses. Um, you have like these different ranges. And so like, depending on the style you shoot, the weight that you want to carry and like what you need in terms of zoom primes, they basically have everything. And then like you're saying, third party, there's just everything adapts to Sony. So there's a lot of options. Yeah, I mean, Micro Four Thirds would probably be the other close second in terms of good lens lineups, but I just, uh, I unfortunately don't see that being as much of a solution anymore. I know Olympus has a new camera coming out, um, hopefully this year that'll be decent. Um, <clears throat> and then, of course, the GH6, which is highly anticipated, Ooh. was announced. <laughs> it was announced. When is that camera this year. coming? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, uh, I don't know if they announce an actual release date. But the GH5 yeah. came out this year, and the announcement of the GH6, which is a 5.67K 60P video camera with 10-bit, 4K120, um, $2,500, which is it's the same the, as the a 74 So, you know. It's the camera that we were waiting for with the GH5, but then we just kept waiting and waiting, and then Sony <laughs> kind of came out and just, you know, released all these cameras in the same yeah. in this time period. Uh, and the, like when the, I was, I, I did a video with Panasonic on the S5. And when I remember when I was talking to the, the Panasonic rep, they're like, the GH6 is coming and, you know, like get excited. And I'm like, how long has that been now since the S5 release? <laughs> it's been a long time. <laughs> it's been a while. And, and the size advantage isn't as much of a thing anymore either. Like Sony, nope. like you were just saying, those, those 1.8 primes that you use are literally the exact same size as the Olympus Pro uh, Primes that we both owned and used with the EM1 uh, series. Yeah. So and those, the Primes on Olympus were heavy. The pan, the Sony ones, the yeah. 1.8s are light. So like you actually are getting carrying less with the Sony and all their it's bodies a full are frame sensor. <laughs> the sensor is yeah. four times bigger. It's nuts. <laughs> it's nuts. Uh, it's just there's no competition at this point. Like I think you could kind of pick your company like if you want to work with canon glass and canon lenses like obviously you're going to stick with canon or there's sony i just don't you know i guess maybe some other ones are fuji nikon i mean there's some a couple of nikon fanboys out there and obviously the new nikon z9 which was announced um looks really promising but uh it's nikon like it's it's just not they're just not there in terms of ecosystem. And uh, you, if you're a freelance shooter, buy a Sony camera because most people in your town probably are shooting on Sony. So, like, yep. if you buy a Nikon and you show up t- on set, it's like, I'll bring my gear. It's like, what do you – no, we don't want you to use that. You know, like – Well, it's uh, interesting. Like, I, like you were saying earlier, Sony has really uh, – you know, they're making cameras for creators. They're actually listening to what we need you know, all different parts of, you know, a creator, all different types of creators. Whereas like Nikon, I feel like, uh, it's just, I don't feel like they're really understanding what creators need. 
And I'm not talking just like YouTube creators. I'm talking about filmmaker all the way from filmmakers down to people who are shooting themselves in you know the room just doing this kind of stuff. Um, yeah. You know, you look at Nikon's lineup, and there's just features missing um, that are like kind of essential. And you know, their lens light up is not. It's getting better. Um, like I, when I did a, a project with Nikon, they had a set of one eights that were small and lightweight, and they're actually all the exact same size. Um, yeah. And I, I actually enjoyed working with the Nikon. I just wish I had a flip screen because I do vlog style content when I'm out. I need to. I don't need to see myself, but it, it is nice. Like I'd rather choose got, a camera that has a flip screen. It's got this little side flip thing going on. It's it's it just proves that they're making it for photographers and journalists and whatever. Yeah. But it has some great video features on it. Uh, 8K, uh, 30P, 4K, 120, 10-bit. I think it's also doing ProRes RAW internal. Is that right? I think that I think was one so. of the big selling points. It's doing ProRes. Um, I think another big. Cool. Dis- I was going to say another big distinction, though, is like Sony is actually having a conversation directly with creators. Like coming from my side of things, where I I actually talk to these camera brands, like Nikon, they contact me through a PR company who doesn't really understand what I do, and is just kind of trying to get a camera in my hands and get me to promote it on my channel. Whereas Sony, like recently, I've been having conversations with Sony more directly, and they'll call me up and just chat and just be like, "What are you into? What are you working on right now?" Um, is there any way that we can work together that we can help you make the content you want to make? So it's a very different uh, relationship. And this totally. is something that I've been kind of, you know, I've been moving away from working with companies that just want straight promotion on my channel. Because um, mm-hmm. there are those companies that they just reach out and they're like, can you put a video on your channel about these filters? And I'm like, no, I don't want to just put a video on my channel about your filters. Like that, that's not very exciting for me. Um, you know, it's it's not something I personally want to do. I don't just want to be a marketing tool for these companies. Whereas, like someone like Insta three hundred and sixty, they'll be like, "What kind of video do you want to make?" I'm like, "I want to make a climbing film." They're like, "Great." So let's we want to promote the go to. So how can we make this work? And then I come up with a pitch, pitch them, and they you know will sponsor it. Um, so there are companies out there that are really focused on creator first and focusing on like what the creator wants to do versus like just getting their product in front of that creator's audience. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the things that you've been working on this year. I mean, you just talked about it, but figuring out ways to essentially get these companies to sponsor a film so that you can actually go do your passion, which is these amazing travel films and do these crazy uh, experiences and um, yeah. it's awesome that you can actually kind of figure out ways to bankroll that to where it makes sense to actually go on a trip. They get all this amazing footage of not a guy just in his basement uh, on a behind a desk. You're actually going out and using the product. Yeah, there it yeah. is, the Mavic. <laughs> <laughs> Mavic Three. Uh, yeah, exactly. That's that's kind of how I'm approaching you know gear reviews moving forward. Is like how can I how can I build a relationship with a company of a product that uh, I'm interested in or something that I actually use and show it in real world settings. Cause you know, in the long term, those kind of videos uh, show more benefits. Like me sitting here talking about a product and being like, Oh, it has 5.1 K. It looks good. Like it, it's not going <laughs> to do, you know, that's not really, that's not going to help move the needle with sales. It might, but if I'm like, Hey, I, you know, here's how I actually use this drone. And this yeah. is something that I actually stand behind. 
Well, yeah, that more people are going to be, it's more of a, um, an honest review. Even if it's sponsored, I, I don't want to take on sponsorships and just be promoting things that are like, um, you know, things that I wouldn't actually promote, you know, if there wasn't money behind it. So if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, we don't have to get too much into it, but you've been uh, creating some courses on Skillshare and seeing mm-hmm. some real success with that as a alternate way to you know, just another stream of income. Yeah, um, I, I've been trying to figure out ways to not be focused on sponsorships and only take on ones where it's like, you know, if somebody comes to say if Sony wanted to do a sponsorship with me on my channel, why well, are you Sony? And that'd be a perfect partnership. Um, one I'm working on right now is with Goal Zero. So they, I use their big um, 1500X battery in my Overland rig. Um, mm. And we're working together on a sponsorship. I just drove through Death Valley uh, on this big trip. I just got back from it. And their battery is what I used to power my vehicle when I wasn't you know, driving. And so yeah. it's like a perfect bridge where like they sponsored the video so I could go do this trip. Um, and I, it's natural for me to talk about it because it's a product that I'm already using. So it's kind of like the perfect combination. Even though it's a sponsorship, I would yeah. still do content around this product. Totally. So um, changing gears to products, unless you want, were you about to talk about something else? Sorry. Um, I mean, this Death Valley video, my Jeep broke. That was fun. <laughs> Yes. Tell us about that because it's a, quite a dramatic um, situation. Tell us the well, story like, in a nutshell. It's nuts. I, I feel like all my videos recently that are like the adventure films have been like something bad happens and it's something <laughs> bad has happened every time. It's I'm not making these stories up. It's like, okay, well, this did happen. Great. Now we have a storyline, um, yeah. <laughs> unfortunately. But at the same time, when you take a step back, those end up making better videos. Uh, well, what? But yeah, you know, my, what, my what was the latest brakes, uh, bad happening? <laughs> yeah, my brake rotor broke on my one of my my tires, and so I couldn't drive my car. I was forty miles into Death Valley, um, you know, just in the middle of nowhere. Now, so that was fun. Where it was like <laughs> the sun had just set, my brake rotor was broken. We're pulling my tire off, and like we're trying to figure out what the clunking sound is. And then like I found that my brakes were broken but also you know i was missing a sway bar nut and then my rim was cracked like there was a lot of things broken uh and so and we were nowhere near town so we had to we got my jeep to some hot springs camp there for the night and then we got it out um my jeep is just in the shop now but like yeah these things you're going on adventures it's just (laughs) like yeah it's uh it's fun but there is stuff that happens (laughs) Thankfully, there's know. guys uh, out there with with tow trucks that are literally there for people like you, right? Like yeah. it ended up working out, but it worked out. Was a little bit of a headache, I'm sure. But, but yeah, I mean, if yeah. you want to go to these cool places and film, like there is that danger. You know, climbing a mountain isn't the safest activity. Overlanding through Death Valley isn't necessarily the safest activity. So you yeah. just got to kind of weigh what kind of risks you're willing to take. Totally. Um, but well, let's switch to some gear. Yeah, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on um, some of the things that came out this year in 2021. Uh, starting off with the Rode Wireless Go 2. I know that you ended up picking up one of those and may have been replaced with another product uh, that we can get to. Yeah. But I personally bought two sets, so I have four of them. Um, and I was using them almost on a weekly basis at my job. 
And for half the year, they were great. And then the second half, I ended up having some issues. I don't know if I ever talked to you about it, but Mm-mm. a couple of them started having popping sounds oh, um, just like sporadically. And then one in particular, like would do this weird robotic sound effect or something. It almost sounded like there was like a radio interference, but I don't know if it was radio interference from another person, like a pilot or a police officer, but it was like the weirdest thing. So I actually need to send both sets in the road to get uh, repaired because I've had some issues with them. I don't trust them. So that's my question, but question for you. Uh, Was that on the backup recording? Yes, the robotic sound effect was on the the backup recording and the pops as well. So oh, I'm like, what's so... the point of the backup if it's just recording? Like, hmm. I was assuming all that was just radio interference. Um, I went into the recording and it's there. So I have proof to send a road when, you know, when I send it in for them to listen to what was going on with it. But, you know, I haven't heard anybody really complain about it like, my experience maybe i just got some some bad ones or i beat them to the ground too much but you know you you i think you used yours for essentially half the year right yeah i think they're they're a great tool um i've also had issues but mine were different my i've had corruption issues with backup files um which was very unfortunate because the backup file got corrupted and then the file that was recorded to camera i also had issues because of interference so it was like mm. two things happening at the same time. Uh, and I lost the audio for something that I thought I had a backup for. So, yeah, yeah I mean, there's, I've had issues. Um, they're not a perfect tool. And, you know, long term, they do have an internal battery. So who knows how long they'll actually last. Um, but yeah, and the, I think we, you and I are using them in a very rugged professional way. Oh, I heard that. Yep. <laughs> you okay? Hold on. Spilled coffee on my computer. Are you serious? <laughs> oh my gosh. If you need to turn off, um, seriously, if you need to turn your computer off. It's not a lot. This has been a pretty eventful uh, podcast for you. Yeah, nothing like uh, dropping coffee on a $5,000 computer. Do you have Apple Care on it? I do. <clears throat> there you go. Always buy Apple Care. <sighs> oh yeah, especially on portable things that you can yeah, drop this is and why things on. i liked having the 13 inch m1 that was like a base model because like i didn't care as much now with like <laughs> a five thousand dollar machine like have to be i mean but hey the microphones sound great <laughs> great so. yeah i mean the computer's great i just finished uh dji mavic 3 beginner's guide like i put that mm-hmm. up on christmas it hour and 24 minutes long and every shot is color graded. Every shot is 10 bit, 422. Every shot has graphics and multiple layers. And like the computer just like chewed through the footage. I didn't have to proxy anything. I didn't have to, um, yeah. you know, I didn't have to do anything besides drop the footage on and start editing. It was amazing. Well, I'm sitting here with, I think, an identical machine. I don't know if you did you max it out all the way? Yeah. Pretty much. So uh, four 64. terabyte hard drive. So yep. everything Same else here. is maxed out. Yeah, so I have the 16-inch, but everything's maxed out, and I can I, I agree. It's been nuts, but it's a little overkill, honestly. Like, I don't even think I'm tapping the potential of it. Um, yeah. But I'm, I was I keep, curious if this project would have worked on the Pro model. So I'm, I'm considering buying the 
base model, like the one under the max, um, and just doing some side-by-side editings with like these projects that are super long and lots of graphics. Um, I think, I think it's it'd be interesting to see. Yeah. Well, uh, it's important. The- yeah, I think you should try it because if it's the same or very marginal, then you could actually make money selling your used laptop now because they're so backordered. I think if you were to configure a maxed out version, I think you're looking at March or April uh, wow. to get it. So I've noticed they're selling for about $500 more than they're worth new just because people want them now, you know? Yeah. So I mean, I've been I'm considering glad I got one. So I've been considering selling this and going to a base model just to save a thousand dollars, but I'm kind of like, eh, I, I may just hold on to it because it's going to last me five years if I just hold on to it, you know? Yeah, and if you don't drop coffee on it. <laughs> Although I got silver because my cousins required it because mm. their brand is a little bit more light and airy and not masculine and space gray. And that that's the main thing. I'm like, I don't like the silver. I want the space gray. <laughs> it's so space gray is nice. It's so dumb that I would consider selling this laptop just because i don't like the color but that's where i'm at because i'm superficial um they really need to come out with like a matte black oh my gosh space gray well that's what dbrand is for they do have a really nice matte black i guess where were we we were talking about the wireless go and you know one thing that i think is interesting to note about the wireless go 2 is it sort of like the original wireless go version one was so revolutionary it was really kind of the first 2.4 gigahertz bluetooth tiny little thing um with the built-in microphone and then it just like it literally that was the first one and then every random chinese manufacturer you could imagine emulated that and then all of a sudden now there's like a hundred of those tiny little uh microphones and then the wireless go 2 came out and that was like oh there's two now on the left and right stereo uh recording and i think there were a couple that were already doing that before the road um, but once that happened, then again, all these Chinese manufacturers like are doing left, right, t- dual, tiny little things, um, which is good. Like competition is good. Um, you don't have to spend the extra hundred dollars for the road version. There are great um, knockoff brands I've seen some reviews of. But when it comes to like professional on a shoot, you know, a twenty thousand uh, dollar production. Or in my case, even with Amy and Jordan, um, we're doing these courses. Like I have to, like, I literally have to make sure that my audio is good because we will yep. not ever be able to reshoot this thing. I was relying on these all year and they failed me a handful of times. And for 2022, I'm considering maybe just ponying up and, and spending five, $600 on some sort of like high quality professional wireless system, because I do not want to deal with kind of the headaches of these things crapping out on me all the time. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's important. Like I wouldn't use the road wireless go on my production, like my production company shoots. They just like the, you, there is that kind of factor of like, well, things could go wrong with it. Like I've used it in settings where I'm just running gun quick. Um, but you know, we always hire on a sound guy with like professional level equipment. Um, because it is important. Like you need to trust your equipment and, um, you know, I've had a, like I've had my issues with the Road Ghost as well. So like, I can't trust it fully for making YouTube videos. For the majority of what I shoot, um, that's not 
for my production company, like, yeah, they, they work fine. But, they're super um, convenient. Yeah, they're they very are. convenient. They're so small. However, DJI came out with their own version that's exactly. even more convenient and that comes with a charging case. Yeah, so let's talk about that. That's one of the products that came out this year. It came out kind of alongside the 4D, I think, and the, and the Mavic yep. 3. Um, and nobody was really talking about it. So it, it was released, but they didn't really get the product in creators' hands. So people mm-hmm. weren't really making videos. Um, you know, DJI reached out to me and they're like, hey, we got this mic, you know, like a few weeks later. And they're like, do you want to do a video on it? Um, and I was like, I'd love to just test them out. So I went and played around with them. And I'm like, these are great. These are everything the Rode Wireless Go 2, like all the things I wanted out of that. Um, because, you know, you have a charging case. Charging case is great. Uh, you have the ability to, you have a touch screen on the device itself. So yeah. you're not having to use like button clicks and you can actually see everything on this touch screen. And the screen actually faces you. So instead of being up on top of the the receiver, it's on the side or on the front and back and you can yeah. rotate it. So if you're behind camera, you can see it. If you're in front of camera, you can rotate it and see it. Uh, and then finally, uh, when you bring it onto your computer, you can just grab all the files and drag them over. You don't have to go through and export one at a time, which I know Rode did fix. They just fixed that, yeah. (laughs) They did, but you you still have to go through their software and export it, whereas the DJI mic pops up as a folder, and you just drag them over. So there's a reason, there's a legal reason why, and I am speculating here. I posted a tweet about it when the Rode Wireless Go 2s came out. Uh, Mm -hmm. And Curtis Judd responded and confirmed my suspicion. But there's a company, you know the name of it, right? There's a company that, Zaxcom, they own this patent that has plagued uh, the filmmaking audio community for years. Basically, (laughs) it makes complete sense. Like, why wouldn't a wireless pack, a wireless lavalier pack, like even before the Wireless Go existed, why wouldn't there be the ability to record a backup locally? That just makes total sense. Like, obviously, there's no interference. Uh, you could just use a tiny little micro SD card, or even ten years ago, you could have used an SD or even a CF card. It doesn't matter. Why wouldn't some company come up with that? It's because this freaking patent. company owns a patent yep. on it, and nobody has it's been like able a, to do it. It's like a twenty-year patent or something. I mean, we've, you know, on with our production company, you know, we've worked with Zaxcom Wireless in the past when we worked with Audio Guys, and, and it's. You know, we would use those because of the backup recording. Um, I shoot a lot of fitness and like people would be sweaty. We'd have transmission issues. So it like always saved us. But everyone else can't use that because of this patent. And companies would try, but they would charge so much for the license to use it that companies would just say, screw it. Um, And so I think what happened with Rode is they found a workaround. And now that they're doing that, other companies are challenging just because like a company like DJI is so big. They can just challenge the, you know, if the Zaxcom comes after them, which I don't even know if they can because it's a Chinese company versus a Zaxcom, which I think is a U.S. company. Yeah. I don't know off the top of my head, but. Well, the, uh, so like just for reference, guys, like a Zaxcom pack is like $1,500, $2,000 each just for a The pack. issue is Zaxcom are very, uh, they're not easy to use. So like if you try to buy a system, I've priced it out before because I've, we've had this issue where we need backup recordings. And if you want like a full system for like one or two with some, you know, backups, it's like $11,000 to get all the pieces that you need. And it just doesn't make sense with how it all works. Like, it's just not a simple system. It's 
geared towards professional audio users, which is great if you're working on feature films. But if you're someone who's like documentary run and gun and you just need backup recording when you're doing something out in the field, well, like their system doesn't make sense or it's, you know, too expensive. And it's a total like screw you too, because they can, they own the patent. So they charge $3,000 per unit because they can. And it's like, Hey, Hey Hollywood, guess what? I know you need this. Uh, We're going to charge you an arm and a leg. I mean, I'm sure they don't sell a lot of units. It's really unfortunate business decision. They probably could have been a leader in the community if they actually were smart and made consumer level versions of this. Um, But whatever. Rode challenged them with the Wireless Go 2 and the workaround, I think, was that software. The fact that you had to export it from their software kind of made it, you know, probably a loophole around their their patent. Curtis Judd, uh, you know, the sound expert on YouTube, he confirmed that suspicion on Twitter with me. And like you said, DJI now basically is, I think, probably infringing on their patent because it's literally saving directly to the device you plug it in and it's as if you're using a memory card maybe the loophole is the fact that it's internal memory and you can't maybe the loophole is the fact that the other one is um using removable memory like an sd card um but all that to be you know all that being said as of right now the dji mic seems to be the best kind of all around if you want a cheap consumer level tiny little lavalier kit because it's got that charging case, it's got the screen, like you said, and the ease of use. But have you used it extensively enough to confirm or deny whether or not it's giving you some of the same issues you had with the road um, in terms of dropouts and interference, or you just haven't had enough time with it yet? I mean, I haven't had enough time with it. I mean, if you're watching the video, it's, it's right here. Look how small this is. I mean, this is amazing. Um, but I haven't had any of the same issues. But I, like I said, I've only used it um, you know, for a few weeks now, but I have used it on basically every video, uh, recently and, you know, the audio straight out of it, uh, it's a little bit muffled. Like you do a little EQ to it and it sounds great. Um, I did a video on the DJI mic. Uh, it's actually performing super well. I was, I was surprised that that video performed as well as it did. Um, but a lot of people are like, Oh, that audio sounds bad. Why didn't you EQ it? And I was like, well, because I want you to hear, what it actually sounds like out of the mic. And yes, if you do a little EQ, you can make it sound good. Um, I use Accusonus and I, there's like an auto EQ feature and you put a little, you know, you play with it a little bit and you can make the mic sound great. Um, so I'm happy with it uh, just for the ease of use and like the ability to have that backup recording. Um, you know, if you scroll towards like the end of that video, you'll see I'm like, or like, you know, I, I did a lot where I was um, really far away from the camera. So I'd be like on one ridge line and I would walk all the way to another ridge line. And most of the time it would stay connected, but having that backup recording just helps if there is dropouts. Uh, San Clemente. Yeah. Uh, I miss it. Oh my God. Yeah. San Clemente is amazing. <laughs> I love that pier right there um, and that train that goes by. There's that. Have you been to that? Um, there's that restaurant on the pier there the uh fisherman something or rather yeah um that's a cool little spot the clam chowder is excellent there san clemente is such a hidden gem so Mm -hmm. it's part of orange county which you think orange county you think super busy you think overpopulated but san clemente has kept to like that small town vibe and they really there's nowhere to expand because you have camp pendleton to the south 
Um, and then you have like natural wilderness area to the east. And then um, there's really nowhere to, to build north. So it's like basically there's not a lot of land left, but it still feels like a small town. And there's tons of beaches, some of the best surfing in California. I mean, it's it's insane. I mean, you know, I, I was lived in Laguna Niguel for two years, and um, that's pretty close. And yeah. Dana Point, Laguna Niguel, I mean, it's gorgeous. It's so that, nice those little pocket the... down here. Like you yeah. have uh, San Juan Capistrano, Dana Point, and San Clemente, and like mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like the rest of Orange County. No, I loved it, and if, it's very mm-hmm. family friendly. If it's safe, it's uh, a good environment. It's yep. also expensive as heck now. Um, it's crazy. My house value, like skyrocketed after we moved in like we bought in san clemente you know for what we paid for a big house here we would have gotten a one bedroom two bedroom apartment in la at the time and then the prices just exploded so like we moved at the perfect time before everyone rushed out of la perfect it was like you got you got the perfect size home too because you may not have realized it, but you were gonna, you know, now you're having another child. Yeah. So like the fact that you made room for that already is awesome. You don't have to move. Yeah, I mean it's wild. We have a five bedroom, but one of my the bedrooms is this in my office, and then you know our master bedroom, and then the two kids' rooms. That's great. So that's oh yeah, and then my wife has an office. So yeah, we have five bedrooms. <laughs> I was like, where's that fifth one? Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, five bedroom, the, same here. I mean, I'm in a five bedroom rental right now, yeah. but these, I know these only sell for, I think like 400. <laughs> so a five yeah. bedroom in Nashville is 400,000. Well, it's, but. it's crazy in California. Um, you can't even find anything in like the eight, 900 range anymore. Like in Orange County, like you could ridiculous. a yeah. year ago, but now it's like you're spending over a million just for anything. It's wild. Yeah, everybody's everybody who's from LA or Northern California, they're all either going out of the state or going into Orange County. <laughs> yeah, it's all the people that can't leave the state or that want to, you know, live by the beach still. They're moving south. Yeah. So, we've, you know, when we were looking in our neighborhood, there was tons of inventory. There was a lot of options, and now there's like a couple houses available, and we keep seeing people from San Francisco um mm. come and buy. And like to That's them it's a, it's a deal. Um, even though the <laughs> yeah. prices are high, like they're super high for us, we couldn't buy here now, but, um, you know, it's a deal for people coming from San Fran and some of these, you know, really expensive areas. All right. Let's bang through some of these other things here. The Ronin 4d, um, that's, that was like when that camera gimbal came out for me, that was the only time all year that I was, I don't want to use the word jealous, but I was like missing being a youtuber because that is such a thing that i would love to make a video about my Mm -hmm. my mind just exploded with the possibility of the creativity to me i see it as sort of like a a shift in technology like we had you know going from a steadicam to a gimbal and you know the the kind of technological leap that we went to when the the original movie came out with vincent laferre and kind of that whole wave of gimbals now in my opinion this is sort of like the next level uh from dji combining combining um lidar technology with a camera mounted onto the gimbal itself this is real exciting because if we see more of this type of stuff from dji in the future 
Um, it could really change the whole game because now you're not having to mount cameras on the gimbal. The, the gimbal is the camera. It's pretty cool. Yeah. It's a cool system. Like I had a chance to take it. Well, I had it with me one day in Alaska, but then I had a chance to take it to Utah uh, when I was overlanding and I used it in that setting. And it is bigger. It is kind of bulky. It's like a kind of just, it's like the size of a toaster, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, I, I you know, is I think it's an amazing camera to use. Uh, there's just so much possibility with it. And the footage is so smooth. And like the, the ProRes that I was using out of it could grade super easily. And it just looks, looks nice. Uh, you know, like when I was out shooting with it, I was like, does this, is this too big? Is it too bulky? Is there too much going on? And then when I had to send it back to DJI, I switched back to my a7S III with my RS2, and I have a whole tilt-a-ring setup for it. And I realized that the Ronin 4D just simplifies it. So with my RS2 setup, I'm constantly dealing with balancing the camera, and then I have to turn on the camera, I have to turn on the gimbal, I have to turn on the ring, because it's not a DJI ring, it's a third third party. So I have four different buttons that I have to turn on. And then the bigger monitor is another button. So it ends up being five. So I'm constantly thinking about five different things. Are they powered on? Are is memory clear? Do I have enough battery? And I realized that like the 4D is just so simple. Like you turn it on, you have this big touch screen. You, it takes a little bit to power up, but you know, 15 seconds and then you can yeah. start filming. Uh, so like I, you know, when I was returning the 4D, I was thinking about, I was like, would I actually buy one of these? I wasn't sure. But then after going back, I'm like, yeah, this is a camera that I actually want. Like, I want to use this. And there's a time and place for it. Like, it is bigger. It's bulkier. If I'm overlanding and I can carry that gear with me, it's great. But if I'm hiking, I'd rather have my A7S III and a, a smaller gimbal. Uh, but so it you might be on able what to... you're shooting. In terms of like the the gear that you own, you could in theory sell your whole gimbal setup and maybe um, a camera or something and a lens that you would dedicate as a gimbal like setup yep. and put that towards that. And it it's the same price. And it's just going to be so much easier to pull it out of the bag and just go. Um, yeah. Just having a dedicated gimbal setup at all times is great. I know for me when I was doing freelance stuff, I would always have like a shoulder cam or like a a monopod camera, and then another camera that was often the exact same camera just mounted always in the in the movie just ready to go whenever um because it's just such a pain to like take it on and off on and off all the time so um it's pretty exciting for sure and the lidar stuff did you play around with that at all the kind of the focusing stuff with lidar so i had a very limited time to work with the camera because um you know they sent it to me the shipping got messed up like i was supposed to have it for longer um, but I took it out to Utah and I basically had one lens. I had the 35 millimeter, uh, from DJI. Uh, I could use some of my Sony lenses, but, uh, I didn't really have enough time to really practice and figure out how to make everything work properly. So I basically just used that 35 millimeter, um, and just used it as a run and gun type of camera. And I, it's just a pretty impressive, the type of footage I was able to get out of it. Um, so like, yeah, there's a lot of potential with it and there's a lot to unlock. I think it's something that like you need to have for a while and you really need to work with it. But I think having that LIDAR just opens up a lot of possibilities. The only, I guess, downside is that you can only use small lenses on it. So you're not going to be able to put these big lenses on it that you might want to. Um, you really have to be limited with what you can put on front of that, that gimbal because the gimbal's pretty small. 
Yeah, and um, I guess, yeah, you're right. It just it depends on your use case. Um, but the lenses are great, and <clears throat> most people will probably be able to get that to work. And I think yeah. it'll probably carry down, too. We'll probably see some sort of 4D alternate that's a cheaper, smaller um, unit. They just had to start on the super high end to get the technology out there, to get that in the hands of the, the filmmakers, and kind of get some you know, research and development for the next year or two while they potentially develop something that's maybe a little more approachable for, uh, you know, normal people. Um, you know, they, they had that original Osmo thing, the, the little ball uh, yep. camera that like would do, I think it did 4k raw. Um, mm -hmm. and then obviously they've had all this experience with, uh, the cameras that they've been putting on the drones. So I'm, I'm definitely not, um, you know, I would I would expect that they're going to have some sort of cheaper version, like a Super 35 version or something. I don't know, but um, we'll see. But it's very yeah, we'll cool see. technology. It's unique, and I think DJI is really pushing the boundaries in, um, you know, the the drone technology, but also like putting out these types of cameras. Like they're just different than what everyone else is doing. And then let's let's end it uh, on our gear talk with the the drone slash camera that's been sitting on the table there this whole time the mavic 3 um this we we both knew that this would be a big for your channel and um we you know have to just wait and see how many views you get on your beginner's guide video i'm sure it'll be over a million uh by the time we talk again you know next year we'll maybe see. <laughs> the issue with the mavic 3 is the price and i've seen this in my comments People are really frustrated that it's so expensive. Um, really? Okay. Yeah, it's just, it's an expensive drone. Um, but it is a pro, I, I see it as a pro-level drone. Um, but, you know, with with it, it's like, if you don't want to spend, I mean, what is the cost of it? It's 3000 DJI Mavic 3. Let me just click, click the link in your description. Oh, thank you. It's, it's Dude. hard to like... <laughs> You don't have like a link in the beginner's guide to buy the drone. I do. It says get the Mavic Three. Get them. It's a little hidden. I I would mm -hmm. want to see that top. Yeah, it's three thousand dollars with the fly more combo. Um, okay. Yeah, that's pricey. Twenty one ninety nine for just a single battery, which you could get away with because the battery lasts so long. But you definitely want the fly more combo. So three thousand dollars for that, and then obviously five thousand for the Cine version which gives you, you know, the ProRes, and then also you get that remote control with it, the RC Pro, which I'm, you know, it's a bummer that the RC Pro, you have to get that to work with this drone. You can't use the original um, smart controller. Mm. So it's, and that RC Pro is like $1,300. So if you yeah. want to get the non-Cine version, which this one with the Flymore combo, and then the RC Pro, you're still looking at like $4,500. It's crazy. It's a lot of money. It is. So I think there's a lot of people that are frustrated with how expensive the setup is. Because, um, like, yeah, it's, you know, but the the Air DJI, 2S is fantastic, and that's so much cheaper. I think that's the argument that you can make now, though, is, like, DJI makes other drones. Like, it's, yep. it's the Apple conversation. You just spilled coffee on a $5,000 laptop. I'm using a $5,000 laptop. You don't have to buy a $5,000 laptop. You can buy... No a MacBook Air with the M1 chip in it and it's going to be $1,000 and it's actually going to perform really well too, just like yep. the Air 2. Um, yeah. 
and yeah i mean like i'm gonna i'm gonna pay the money for this laptop because this is a tool that i use every day and i i I want you know and you want to spill coffee on it (laughs) yeah we'll do that now when it comes to the follow up make sure you don't have any issues water damage but yeah, yeah, the Mavic 3, like the Phantom series, I think, is now officially like nail in the coffin. So. I think so. I don't think they're going to do another Phantom. So this was kind of the replacement of like that middle ground between, you know, the Air 2S and the Inspire. Like this is the middle. Yeah. So this is going to be used on pro shoots. That's why they have the Cine version. But also it's, you know, it's geared towards the consumer as well for anybody who wants to just like creators who just want a powerful drone with a great camera i mean the four-thirds sensor looks great the footage that i've been shooting that's h.264 like looks fine and color grading works great and you know it looks really good you don't need the cine version um but like i was saying you know you're it's getting expensive when you're getting all the components um like it's a, it's just yeah it's a, it's not a cheap drone can you like just give me the bullet points on the differences between the two and you know some of the features that you really like about them? Yeah, so the Mavic 3, the side the sensors, you know, on the side. That's like one of the biggest things. So like if you're following obstacle a subject, avoidance. yeah, the obstacle avoidance. So if you're following a subject and a tree comes from your side, you're not going to run into that tree. With the Air 2S, you're going to run into that tree. And I've done that multiple times where I've been flying the Air 2S <laughs> and I've run into something because it doesn't have obstacle avoidance on the sides. So a lot of times when you want to create, you know, cool shots, cinematic shots, however you want to say it, uh, you don't necessarily always want to be front and back. Like you want to be off to the side or you want to be rotating. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's a much better level of security when you're flying the Mavic 3. And I've been testing this with the, the active track that they've just released. It's not... You know, perfect yet, but the obstacle avoidance works super well. Um, you know, I think Active Track has some room to improve, but it's definitely gotten much better over time. Um, you know, it, it's weird though. Like DJI released this drone, and it's not a completed drone. All the software still has more updates. Like you go into the app, you try to use panel mode right now, it says function not available. You try to use quick shots, it says function not available. Um, they just released Active Track, which I did a video on. And like I said, I think they're going to improve it so that, you know, there's certain parts of it that just aren't as stable as I'd want them to be, but it is what it is. Uh, and I mean, the, the 360 degree obstacle avoidance though, was on the pro, uh, the, the pro two, right? The Mavic 2 No, pro the Air 2S. Oh yeah. The, the pro two, the original Mavic two pro uh, yeah, whatever has called. a 360. <laughs> But the Air 2S only has forward, backwards, up and down. I think that's probably one of the the issues, if you will, that maybe people have is people who own... A lot of people bought that Mavic 2 Pro uh, when that came out with the Hasselblad sensor yep. on it. And I still think it looks great. I mean, it's a one-inch sensor. The color's great. It does 10-bit. Um, it's got the 360 optical avoidance the new Mavic 3, like, even though it is amazing, like, even more amazing, is it really worth it for some of those people who are maybe in that kind of in-between? Maybe you just shoot weddings. Maybe you just kind of shoot little things here and there. You're not doing, like, full-on, you know, Hollywood-level stuff. Is it really worth it to to spend $5,000 on the Mavic 3? Probably not. Probably not. But the issue is those drones are, are starting to get a little dated, so if you 
you know, they yeah. still work well. Um, but if you want the latest and greatest, now you're going from, you know, a couple thousand dollars to 5,000. Like it's, it's a huge jump. Yeah. But and I wonder, I wonder if they're going to do a new Inspire this coming year as well. I mean, obviously, again, there's a lot of delays on technology yeah. because of COVID, but um, the Inspire 2 is kind of long in the tooth now. It's been around for a while, uh, maybe four years, four or five years almost at this point. Yeah, I think with the 4D, I think that camera is what's going to be used on the Inspire, whatever the new one is, because yeah. you can take that whole unit off the front. Good point. And so I think yeah, that, you're going to be able to pop sense. that off and put it on a drone. Yeah, totally. I think they yeah. kind of did that with the Ronin 2, right? Could you do that? I don't know. No, you couldn't do that because the Inspire 2 had a built-in camera. But Yeah. Cool. Well, Jevin, you took we took so much of your time, um, well over an hour because of our technical difficulties and water spillage. Um, thank you so much for coming on the Golden Hour podcast. Always a pleasure. I'm sure I'll talk to you tomorrow on the phone, but uh, thank you for joining us. Is there anything that you'd like to leave with our listeners who are, um, you know, inspired by you want to maybe get out there and start traveling as well. Maybe start a YouTube channel this year, obviously, you know, coming into January, we've, we've all got new year's resolutions. Mm -hmm. Uh, what are some, uh, one of some, some tips and, and things you'd want to share with our listeners? I, yeah, I, I guess one big thing would be, uh, you know, we talked about this earlier, but be realistic with yourself. Don't jump on YouTube thinking that you're going to be doing, uh, this kind of content that you, you really can't do because of limitations of time and, um, you know, the situation you're in, just give yourself a break. Like you don't have to be Mr. Beast level right out of the gate. Um, I think we can all find the kind of content that resonates with us that we enjoy making and we can figure out a way to do it that fits into our lifestyle. Um, rather than like, you know, seeing these travel YouTubers that are circling the globe and they have no, they, they don't have to like be home ever. Um, you know, like we, not everyone can do that. So just be realistic with yourself. 100% be realistic going into 2022. Jevin, a pleasure as always. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the golden hour podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Dave Mays. We'll see you next time.